All right, welcome to the Realist Agent Podcast, episode five. This is Monday. It's a rainy Monday, November. What is it? November seventh. Dang, we're already into November by a week. This is insane. Um, I hope everybody's. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I hope everybody's staying healthy. There's sickness going around. It's running through our house. Um. We got a kid home from school today. Uh, I'm still not feeling 100%. But uh, it kind of looked over the weekend, you know, was we weren't doing a whole lot. And, uh, you know, in an effort to maintain high quality control over my product here, I went and listened back to my prior episodes. And I, I realized that I... So I go into these things without a script, right? Because it's the Realist Agent Podcast. And it's supposed to be totally unscripted. But I realized that I like I go on these sidetracks and rabbit trails and I go on them way too long before I actually talk about real estate stuff. I don't realize it because there's nobody in here, you know, to keep me on track. And I literally I'm just, you know, staring at this microphone by myself in the studio. And it's just me. So now I'm coming with an outline, baby. I got I got a whole topic that I'm going to talk about. And I got an outline to try to keep me on topic, but just disclaimer here, the outline itself was hastily written. So, you know, it's only, it's only as good as it, the job it can do is only as good as the outline that it is, if that makes sense. I have no idea if that even makes sense, but uh, it's not a great outline. So, um... Yeah, so I'm going to talk about, I want to talk about when the market's going to crash. When is the market going to crash? First of all, no one knows what's going to happen. Anybody that tells you that they know what's going to happen, don't listen to them. That is, if somebody tells you they know what's coming, uh, that's a signal to not listen to that person and stay away, regardless of what it is. If it's good, bad, it doesn't matter if they, if they knew then, <clears throat> excuse me, if they knew, then, you know, they'd be rich millionaires because they can predict the future. They're like in back to the future. They got the, the sports almanac and they're just placing all the winning bets, right? No, everybody's got their theories and most people who predict crashes they just always predict crashes and eventually they're going to be right. But, you know, if you go back and count the number of times that they predicted a crash and then the number of times that markets actually crashed, I am talking about all markets, real estate, stocks, uh, pork belly futures, what oil, nobody knows. All right. So let's just get that out of the way. Nobody knows. Not even me. I don't know. But what I'm going to talk about. We're going to look at some fundamentals, see where we're at, and then we can take a look at, you know, what the next year or so might hold for us. Um, so let's define a crash. What's a crash? A crash, some people say, oh, it's a 10% drop in prices. Okay, over how long? Well, it's a 20% drop in prices. Okay, over what? Six months? Five years? What are we talking about here? Look, I, the, a crash is a sudden, unexpected drop in prices. And beyond that, I have, there's a key for me 
that defines a crash. And it is, it has to do with a sudden unexpected drop in prices, but there's an underlying fundamental that people miss that I think is key. So I'm going to talk about that. But, uh, so we, we know what, we know what kind of defines a crash. It's just a sudden unexpected drop in prices, 10%, 20%. That's up for debate. But what, what causes a crash in the real estate market? What is going to cause a crash or what would cause a crash in the future? What caused the last crash? Well, you know, you can point to all the things that led up to it, but something that you have to have in order for a crash to take place is a bunch of motivated sellers. And I mean, when I say motivated, I mean people who need to sell their house including taking a loss, basically selling for less than they bought it for. People who need to sell their house at a loss. And who are those people? Where are you going to find those people? Those people are, they're upside down on their mortgages. They owe more than the house is worth. Or, or maybe they're not upside down, but they're about break even and you know they've lost all their equity and they just need to sell to stop the bleeding to cut their losses so to speak and just get out of it because they're they're afraid they they can't ride out you know the one and they can't afford it they can't afford to ride it out or something else is forcing them to sell you know maybe they got relocated for their job maybe they have to relocate to be with family or something like that but basically they have no other choice. Something is is compelling them to sell their house, even if it means taking a bath on it. Um, so you have you have a bunch of motivated sellers, people who need to sell at almost any cost. Uh, you need uh, a shortage of motivated buyers in the marketplace to offset those that number of motivated sellers. And here's the key. Here's my key for what, what it means to have a crash is you have to have panic selling. If people aren't panic selling, you don't have a crash. If there's nobody that's in, that's going to be put in a position to panic sell. And when I say panic selling, I mean, lots of people saying I got to sell now because if I don't do it now, I'm going to lose even more money and I got to sell it before this guy who has to sell it before that guy. So I got to get ahead of this and catch, you know, everybody's trying to catch this falling knife. That's panic selling. You got a, a market that's flooded with inventory. Nobody's buying it and prices have to keep coming down in order to meet those buyers where they're at in terms of a price that they're willing to pay. Like I already said, these motivated sellers would need to sell at practically any cost in order to uh, in order to have a crash, in order to trigger that panic selling because there aren't enough motivated buyers in the marketplace. So let's explore which of these factors we have now and which we can expect in the near future. So let's start with the buyers. Let's start with motivated buyers. Interest rates are up. They're up like 4% from a year ago. Uh, which if my rule of thumb is every 1% of interest rate change equates to about an 11% change in affordability. So that means affordability is down by like 40% from last year. 
uh, Bank of America. I think I think it was Bank of America. I saw a headline today this morning that said um, that a mortgage applications were down like ninety percent. Um, and lenders I know locally, I know their pipelines are drying up, and it's just just a fact. There are far fewer buyers than there were um, a year ago because affordability is so bad. So you have that. Uh, let's take a look. Do we have motivated sellers? Well, uh, who let's, we got to think about who can't afford their house right now. Um, in order for somebody to not afford their house, not, they can't afford their house anymore. The house that they've owned for however long up to this point, something drastic must have happened. They would have had to lose their job or take a significant pay cut or, you know, the prices of everything else are, are out of control and they can't do anything about that. And, uh, you know, they have to sell <clears throat> people. First of all, people are not going to lose their house. They're going to hold on to their house for uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, they're going to sell their boat or they're going to walk away from their, from their jet skis or whatever, you know, they'll, they'll eat less out. They'll cook more meals at home. Um, you know, if gas is too expensive, more and more people are just going to buy electric cars. Um, you know, if, if electricity is too expensive, people are going to get solar. Like people are going to do what they can to hold on to their house. They're not just going to say, okay, well, the price of everything is going up. And, uh, you know, I, I can't, I need my, you know, I need my steak dinners and I need to eat fast food at lunch every work day. Um, you know, the, I just can't make these changes. I got to walk away from my house. Who's saying that? Yeah. There are some people that are going to do that. Not many, not many. Um, not to mention, let's say, you know, let's say somebody did say that, oh man, I just can't afford to pay my house anymore. I'm, I'm going to, what are they going to do? They got to live somewhere. They're going to pay more in rent than they do on their mortgage. So why would they, why would they sell? Why would those people sell? Um, even if they did sell, that's not that many people. Let's say all those people sold and, you know, they're going to go and pay more in rent than they did on their mortgage. And I don't know why, but let's say they do. That's not that many people. Uh, I think people underestimate the number of recession proof jobs that are out there and how many people that own their houses a, have those recession-proof jobs. I'm talking about like, uh, I'm talking about public service, you know, firefighters, policemen, uh, medical workers, um, you know, nurses, doctors, all of the other jobs that are around hospitals. Uh, you know, it's not just nurses and doctors. There's like x-ray techs and, uh, you know, lab techs and I don't know. I don't even know. There's all kinds. My wife's an ultrasound tech. Those jobs are not going anywhere. In fact, they need more and more of them because people will always get sick. People will always need, uh, people will always need a first responder to come to their house. Um, do you know how many jobs in trades there are available right now? Electrician, air conditioning guy, 
uh, plumber. These are all in-demand trades. There's a reason why when you need some work done at your house, it takes forever to get somebody out there. Trades are huge. They're shorthanded. That's not going anywhere. Those are the kind of things that are going to be even more in demand during a recession because, you know, you're going to rather than replace your air conditioner that goes down, people are going to need to fix it. They're going to pay money to fix it. Right. Um, mechanics uh, and and those related trades, uh, you know, people aren't going to be might might be less likely to buy a new car. Because, you know, interest rates are higher. Uh, supply is still constrained in the auto industry. And, you know, when people's cars start going south, they're going to take it to a mechanic to get a few more months out of it or another year or so out of it. Um, you know, these are these trades aren't going anywhere. And in fact, they're only going to grow. Uh, I tell I tell all of my friends that I hope my kids go to trade school instead of college because they can get a job right out of trade school. The day they get out, they're practically going to be interviewing employers because they're going to be so, those trades are going to be so in demand because everybody goes to college and they come out with the same degree that everybody else has. And they're all going for the same few jobs that are out there that they're all underqualified for. And let's be honest, who you know matters more than what you know. Let's all be on the same page there when it comes to when it comes to getting a job like that. But if you're some kid fresh out of trade school with a set of tools and some electrical know-how, uh, you're going to get hired. You're going to get hired. And electrician jobs pay very well. You know, plumbers, plumbing is a, is that, a, that's a great profession. Uh, heating and air guys, these are great professions that are, I, everybody should be encouraging their kids to do these jobs. You got to have a job, right? You got to have a job. And chances are your dream job isn't what it's cut out or what you think it's cut out to be um and you're gonna have to make a living doing something and guess what you learn the ropes and then you can have your own plumbing business your own electrical company and you're not really doing the work anymore you got employees people who went to trade school who want a job who want to work hard you're gonna hire them they're gonna do the work you're gonna pay them well for it because they do a great job. This is just the way it works, people. And trades are where it's at. And I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Y you know, teachers. Oh, man. They're not going to shut down schools. Y you forget how many recession-proof jobs are out there. Uh, not to mention retirees. People who are retired. They're on, they, they already know... They have their fixed income. Uh, they own their house. They Maybe they own their house outright. Almost 40% of homes are owned outright. That means there's no mortgage on them. Of the 60% or so with mortgages on them, 
a lot of those, the mortgages are probably really low, you know, low principal, low interest. You know, if it's a higher principal, like I said, most people have a low interest rate right now. If they didn't buy at a low interest rate, they refinanced at something at a sub 4% interest rate. So let's not underestimate how many people's, uh, how many people's mortgage payments are low and you have to live somewhere who's going to sell their house and go pay more rent than they could just pay in their mortgage. Um, what if we have, what if we do have mass layoffs? Remember I, I, like I said, there are so many jobs that are recession proof and, uh, our unemployment rate right now is at pre pandemic levels. It's half of what it was in 2013. Okay. If unemployment doubled, we would be at where we were in 2013. Can anybody think of like a crisis that was happening in 2013? What was going on in 2013 where we thought people were going to be losing their houses? I can't think of anything. Maybe there is something that I'm totally missing, but I can't think of anything. And it's gone. The unemployment rate has gone down since then. Steady decline until the pandemic spiked. And then it came back down pretty fast. We're back down to pre-pandemic levels on unemployment. Even if unemployment doubles, we're going to be at where we were in 2013. And I don't, like I said, I can't, I can't think of, you know, any kind of, oh, remember the horrible, horrible economic times in 2013 when nobody had jobs? Nobody says that. So, all right, let's just say we have mass layoffs and whatever. We're still going to be at 2013. We're going to be fine, I think. <clears throat> so where are the panic sellers homes are still selling at the same price as they were a year ago that means affordability is down 40 percent but buyers are still buying homes why because supply has gone down with demand the, the nobody's panic selling who's panic selling I, I want to know if, if you know somebody who's thinking about panic selling one, send them my way because I want to, I want to <laughs> know what's really driving that, you know, that panic and, you know, might be able to help them figure it out. And two, if, if people are dead set on sell on panic selling, uh, you know, they're going to sell with somebody, I might as well help them. Um, but People are still buying houses and selling houses for the same reasons. They're just both doing them at a much lower rate because there are far fewer buyers and far fewer sellers because not many people need to sell. So the ones that are selling are motivated. They're moving or whatever. They're uh, whatever's motivating them to move. And the people that are buying them, they're motivated because they obviously need a place to live. And they're both meeting each other in the market. And the prices are staying pretty stable right now. So who's going to be panic selling? I don't know. Like if you can afford your mortgage and you didn't buy the house just for the sole intention of making quick money off of it, there's you don't have any losses that you need to cut. Um, 
you know, for the few people that are just outright losing their jobs and they have no way to stay afloat and they have to sell their house, uh, that's not going to be that many. And for each of those people, there's going to be a buyer waiting to buy it. There's not, you know, people are still buying houses regardless of what the news tells you. Yeah, mortgage applications are way down, but inventory, uh, or sorry, I'm, I should say new listings coming on the market are also way down. Um, you know, even if let's say mar the market does turn down 10% this year, which some people are predicting the market can turn down 10% over the course of the year. Uh, that's, you know, what is that's less than 1% a month. That's not a crash. Uh, the vast majority of owners are going to be able to ride it out and they will. And the ones who can't ride it out are going to find those buyers because those motivated buyers are still out there. So do I think property values may decline in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I do. I do. I think property value, if, if the interest rates stay high, I think eventually the inventory is going to have to adjust for the number of buyers in the market because people are still going to sell for the same reasons that they normally do. But if houses are sitting a little bit longer on the market and selling for a little bit less, it's not going to trigger a panic. I don't think. I don't think it's going to trigger a panic because what's there to panic about if you're a homeowner? If you're a homeowner, what's there to panic about? Uh, if prices go down 10%, most homeowners are going to ride it out. Um, and, you know, I, I that's where I actually see the opportunity for buyers. Uh, sellers, even if they sell for 10% less than they could now, that's still up from where they were a couple years ago. So it's not like anybody's selling at a loss here. Yeah, you're selling for less than you could have at the peak, but you can't time the market perfectly, and that's okay. Nobody should beat themselves up about that. Um, so sellers who who are motivated to sell but don't need to sell, they might just ride it out and wait for prices to come back up. As soon as interest rates come back down, which they are, they nobody believes that interest rates are going to stay this high forever. Nobody. Once interest rates come back down those prices are going to go right back up. So the opportunity for buyers is there. It's if the prices come down, you're going to save some money uh, on the purchase price of your home. Yeah. You might have to pay a little bit extra in the form of, in the form of interest, but guess what? Your interest is tax deductible. And you get to write that extra interest off. So that does offset it a little bit. Um, nobody should be afraid of the market in the future. I, I understand people kind of waiting right now and seeing how things are going to shake out. Totally, totally get it. But I, I wouldn't, I'm not ex anticipating a crash. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I just don't see the the underlying fundamentals uh to me don't point to crash um like i said we could see a 
a market decline in prices, which honestly, uh, that's that would be welcome. You know, the market did get overheated. It got overheated. Fact. Um, you know, that was the whole thing. That's when people were paying, you know, bidding way over the list price and blah, 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 blah. Because the market was overheated because people knew those three, three and a half percent interest rates were not going to stay around forever. And they wanted to lock in while they could. Uh, now we know these 7% interest rates aren't going to stay around forever. So buyers take advantage of the increased inventory that's on the market, but don't expect crazy, crazy deals. They're out there. And if you work with the right person and you, you have a motivated seller, you can find them. Um, I'm finding them, but it's not like, it's not like the the market's flooded with inventory like it was back in, you know, 2008, 2009, when nobody could get their houses sold, uh, because it's not like that. Um, and, you know, if, if that's what you're waiting for, you're going to be waiting a long time. People were waiting for rates to, uh, or for prices to come down. Um, you know, they're down 10% from the peak that they were in uh, April, um, April, May, June. That was like the peak. Yeah, they're down 10% from that, but they're still where they were a year ago. Uh, people said, I wanted to, you know, I want to wait for their, for more inventory to choose from. Well, that's, you got more inventory now. Uh, prices might come down a little more next year, but you know, you, we can't always have it both ways. We do, we want it, you know, we want the low price and a low interest rate. Well, I think the next year to 18 months is going to be a great window of opportunity to lock in your purchase price, pay a little bit more upfront on the interest now, but you can refinance later. And then you get the best of both worlds. You can't always get it right off the front. And the people who bought at high prices with low interest rates, that's it. They're locked. They can't lower the price that they paid for their home. And they're never going to get lower interest rates than, than they got if they're at 3.5%. Those rates are never coming back. If rates hit 5.5%, that I, I predict, that's my prediction. I don't know. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what's going to happen, but if rates come back down to five and a half percent, get ready to, you know, get, take another ride on the, on the equity pony, uh, because buyers are going to come flooding back in the people that the only reason they're not buying right now is because interest rates, they're going to come flooding back in. And the sellers who the only reason they aren't selling right now is because they can ride out the lull in the market and wait for, you know, that they have their target price that they want to hit. As soon as the lower interest rates drive the prices back up and they hit their, their, uh, you know, target price or whatever, that's when they'll sell and not before. And by the way, there are going to be some markets, some individual markets that are hit harder than others. Some markets were extra overheated um talking about like phoenix uh nashville austin um the there there's some markets out there uh like rally north carolina uh there's a few markets out there that were overheated they got like over 
over I mean these things were like are cooked to a crisp they're so overheated those ones are going to be affected more but for most markets I don't see I don't see a huge decline um, I hope you got something out of this one today um, there's no intro music uh, there's no intro music I, I didn't mention that there's no interest intro music because um, that was like placeholder intro music and it wasn't even supposed to go longer than like one or two episodes because I was going to make something else, but I never did. And I'm getting tired of it sitting there. So um, taking it out will motivate me, hopefully, to make new intro music. So um, yeah, I hope you got something out of this. Please like, share, subscribe, five-star review, all that stuff. Uh, share this with somebody that that might benefit from it. Um, if you have any questions, I'm always available to chat. Just give me a call, text, or email. I hope you have the best day ever, and I'll see you on the next episode with awesome new intro music. Bye-bye.